Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo! And producer Nathan. But as we begin, I wanted to remind you of the subscribe and rating and review features that your podcast platform has. So we would love it if you left a rating and review that helps other people find the student ministry podcast as they search for related content on the platform. And it lets us know what you think. So we would appreciate that very much and hit that subscribe button. And uh, then you can have the podcast delivered to you. No work on your part. It just shows up and you can listen to it at your leisure. Additionally, I want to let you know about Parent Partner. It's a brand new resource, uh, just a couple months old, that uh, we're doing through LifeWay Students. And it is designed for you as the student pastor to help parents disciple their teenagers in the home. So it's a subscription service. It's $15.99 per month, and that covers your whole ministry. As many parents as you want to send it to, it covers that for $15.99. And it gives the parents a month-long theme to work through with weekly chunks, bite-sized, accessible prayers that they can pray, conversations that they can have, scripture that they can read to equip them to have those discipleship conversations in the home. We know from research that only 27% of students active in the church report that they have spiritual conversations with their families in the home. And this resource is designed to help you up that number, to help you equip parents to have those super important spiritual conversations. Uh, We've found that Parents don't have those. There aren't, they aren't engaged in discipleship conversations, not because they don't want to, but because many of them don't know how. And this helps them know how. So check out Parent Partner at LifeWay.com slash Parent Partner. Well, we've got a good one for you today uh, in terms of episode topic. And I think it's important uh, to set up this way. Um, There is a lot of inconsistency and uncertainty happening in this moment. Uh, I think like culturally and in the political season that we're in and in the church season we're in, there's still this moment of there are a lot of churches who are in this. Some people are back. Some people are not. There are some churches that have fully opened And there are some that are still not meeting in person. And so there is just this schools the same way, depending on where you live. And so there's just this general feeling of uncertainty and inconsistency that's happening. And I think one of the one of the greatest things that uh, the church can do is try to help provide consistency in moments of inconsistency. And I think this is an opportunity for churches to do that, uh, for student ministries specifically, to provide some consistency in the student ministry. Uh, Because it's, I mean, let's just be honest. When things aren't consistent, like I am not necessarily afraid of change. Uh, I, I I, I can embrace that. I can live in a changing environment. But when it goes on, For a long period of time, I think even people who embrace change and want to be a part of it begin to suffer and morale kind of takes a hit, those kinds of things. And I think teenagers specifically, where they are developmentally, 
tend to suffer in prolonged periods of inconsistency. Uh, I see it in my own kids. And so I think the student ministry can really serve families well by bringing a calm consistency in this moment of inconsistency. So that's that's where we're headed today. Man, I think that is just just when you look at like so my my kids are younger, but something that we have learned as parents of young kids is that even though we can flex in our schedule, if there's not if there aren't a few things that are routine that they can depend on that they know, I've got this little bubble of certainty. You know, I have a framework that I know is going to be steady and I can count on these things. If they don't have that, it's like everything else is in question for them. And I would say that that's very much the same for people in general. It's just that as we get older, as adults, we're able to see a bigger framework than what little kids are able to see. But even, I mean, I, I have felt this way, uh, just, just even in our work at Lifeway. I mean, we're shifting, we're changing, we're pivoting with what's going on. And we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we serve the church uh, in this, you know, in the midst of all of the changing circumstances that the church is going through? And so we are, as an organization, going through churches. The church globally is going through changes. People individually and in their families and with school and with their own jobs. I mean, everything is shifting. And so when yeah. when those few linchpin pieces that kind of give us the routine that we thrive in go away, it really begins to filter into every every part of life. And people start asking the question like, okay, what? What is secure? Which is a softball moment for the church to say, here's the one thing that is secure. <laughs> uh, right. But it's still something we have to work on and be intentional in. So I think this conversation is a super important one. So if we're going to start off and just saying like, hey, how can, how can student ministries do that? How can we prioritize what should stay consistent in this moment for the sake of ministering to, to teenagers and their families? I think the first place that I would go is just evaluating how things have been so far. Uh, and I'm not even saying go, if you haven't done this since last spring or, or during the summer, then loop that in too. But I'm not even necessarily going back that far in my mind when I talk about evaluating where we are. So everybody kind of started this fall with something in their mind about what the first 10 weeks or so would be. And here, here we are, you know, we've August and September. uh, And so it, you know, we're eight to 10 weeks in now and just stopping and saying, okay, did the first eight to 10 weeks happen the way that we thought they would? What are the challenges that we didn't see coming about? What are the challenges to our families, to our students that we didn't foresee that we need to address, that we need to speak into? Because I think a, a, a portion of this consistency is the student ministry identifying needs and ministry opportunities and speaking into those. And the way that you find those 
is by evaluating where people are at. What are the unique challenges that have cropped up that maybe we didn't see at the beginning of this semester? Man, and I think, so some of that is organizational. Some of that is, um, you know, churches that plan to open up on a certain date and then their state said, no, you can't. You know, and so. Right. So then you have to totally rework the plan because you just weren't allowed to meet at whatever level you were planning on meeting. Um, some of that is, oh, well, state didn't say anything, but we had four COVID cases in the first two weeks that we started. And so we had to shift. And some of it is my people didn't come back because they have their own set of circumstances. And so I, I, we've talked about this a lot, but pursuing your people in relationship is part of the answer to that equation. And it's something that's just continues to be highlighted, something that, uh, like we said, what can stay consistent is that, hey, I'm still your student pastor. I still care about you. I still love you, not yeah. just to the students, but also to the parents. I still care what's going on in your life, and I can't see you, so I need to connect with you to find out what those things are personally. Yeah, I totally agree that the relationships and, you know, and you mentioned like we've talked about this before. And I think it's it's important to mention again that one of the things that we hope remains and is uh, heightened even in this season is that student ministries return to this relationship based. I care and going to seek you out type of ministry that people have used to describe student ministry for a long time but relationships with people, that that comes back to the forefront. Uh, similarly to that, another thing that kind of fosters these relationships most effectively in student ministry and is another way that we can prioritize keeping things consistent is through small groups. Uh, John Paul, I'd love to hear you kind of talk through and here's how small groups can help your ministry. Man, and this is something that we've that talked about at length uh, as well. And and really in keeping with this relational ministry piece, why is that so important? Small group. We've talked about small groups being the engine of student ministry on so many occasions, and there's a reason that. We call it the yeah. engine of that of of ministry and of spiritual growth. Those small groups are those places where we draw together, where we find community, where we find commonality, we find accountability, we find prayer. You know, all, all of those uh, edifying pieces of Christian community that are so important for our growth and and our development are only more important now. Um, the, there, there's only a bigger need for small groups to be meeting together in whatever way they can now than there was before. Because before, you, you know, you had some other opportunities like uh, well, just being able to meet in other places, in other environments. And so many of those other environments are gone. So, but one thing that's not gone is your yeah. ability to gather your students in whatever way you can. You're still in control of gathering your students in some way. It might look different, 
But that gathering is so important because that is part of that consistent framework. Hey, I need to point you to what's most important. I need to point you to what is true. There's, uh, what was it that I was watching just the other day with my wife that, that was talking about how fake news travels six times as fast as true truth? Uh, probably, yeah. So, was it social dilemma? And there is, I mean, we're just living right now in this little ecosystem of fake news that's just swirling around everywhere as if it wasn't tough enough just dealing with the lies that Satan tries to get us off track with, you know? And so there's this hunger. Yeah. Uh, and a it really, to me, it almost feels like desperation. It feels like we're getting to that point of desperation. Like, please lead me back to truth. And that's why I think it is absolutely critical as student pastors that we, it's your job to find the way. That's your call. That's your charge to find the way. It's your job to chart the path for what's next. And that path of what's next, if it doesn't include gathering your students in small groups to deliver biblical truth and biblical community that will prop up the faith that these students have, uh, then we are we are absolutely failing at our call to be shepherds of our people. Yeah, man, I, I think that's really well said. And I think for those that hear that and go, well, why does it have to be small groups? Like, why are y'all making such a, a big deal about that? And for a lot of reasons, some of which I would point to is that it's the small group where uh, the Bible can can be laser focused where that teaching can be laser focused into a, a student's life. So uh, when you stand up and there's a large group in front of you, whatever large is for your ministry, right? Like that, whatever the context is for you, you're taking a shotgun approach to, I'm going to preach God's word. And yes, like it's going to hit some people where they are. It's going to be for some people uh, looking back on something that they've walked through. For some, it's going to be filing away for a point later in their life. But when you have a small group of, of students and they're with a leader who is invested relationally in their lives and knows the stuff that they're walking through, then they can take God's word and apply it to specific instances in their lives that you just simply can't do from a larger setting. So there's that. There's also the peer-to-peer -peer learning. There's also in a small group setting that a person is more likely to be able to engage yeah. in a conversation around God's word. And rather than just a one dimensional, I'm taking in, but there's a back and forth that can meander and lead you to places to talk about things that would never have come up in the larger environment. So we could go on and on about the benefits of that. But that conversation, I think, stands out to me. The conversation guided by a godly, caring adult leader yeah, that is and, huge. And just this, this we, we have a need for community. It's built into us. And so we look for the people that are running the same direction we're running for affirmation that we're all running the right way. So there are going to be I mean, students yeah. are going to be running some direction. I mean, we talk about this in student ministry circles all the time. 
you know, your um, students are going to be pulled in one direction or the other. And it's our job to pull them, push them, drag them in the direction of the gospel and show them really what that looks like. <laughs> um, but then it's also our job to show them how to pull and push and drag one another in that direction. This is that call to disciple them. Hey, let me teach you how to think uh, critically about the word. Let me teach you how to parse this out on your own. Let me let me teach you how to fish so that you can continue doing that. And, and that doesn't happen yeah. as effectively in the large group as it does in the small group. Because like you said, Ben, that's the place where they get to work it out. How many sermons have you sat through and you've said, oh, that was good. And I mean, after lunch, you can't really remember what was said. You know, there's there's just only so much intake that can happen yeah. there. And there's only so much impact that can happen there. Man, another thing uh, in terms of consistency closely related to that is leader recruiting and training. Now, you might be listening to this and you might think, Man, recruiting, I just got done with the most difficult recruiting season I've ever had. 50% of my leaders didn't come back. We had to adjust and shift all these plans. And listen, I get it. We, we've talked to a lot of student pastors and consistently across, here's a, here's a negative consistent thing that's happened is that people that were serving stepped out for whatever reason, right? Whether it be they weren't comfortable coming back to church or it just this moment provided a, 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 a moment for them to step away, whatever reason, but student ministries across the board, volunteers have left more in this season than in past. So you've been on the recruiting trail and probably on the group combining trail a little bit as you've launched into this fall. But the, the reason why your involvement in recruiting and training needs to stay consistent right now, one, is because you probably have new people filling in slots and they need to be trained. And training is one of the relational ways that you can stay connected to those leaders. Remember, when you're training your leaders, you're not just imparting how-tos, but you're spending time with them. You're focusing on them. You're enabling them to do the role that you've invited them to do as a part of the ministry. All of those are engagement things. You're checking up on them. So that that's a piece of it. And then the recruiting side is, you know, we've always be recruiting is the thing that we've said around here for a long time. And in this moment, you might feel the fatigue of it because it's been a rough couple of months recruiting. But in order to have those consistent small groups that we just finished talking about and to have those people that are pouring in and providing those guide type of environments for students, you have to continue recruiting and replenishing the farm system, so to speak, with leaders that you have. So, Ben, you have our leadership team reading through a book right now called Shackleton's Way. It's been an incredible read so far. One of the quotes that are in that book, I think, is by Napoleon. You'll probably remember it. It's talking about Shackleton's ability to lead the members of his team on this exposition expedition. Gosh, it's talking about Shackleton's ability to lead the members of his team on this expedition through really 
uh, to beat some incredible odds. One of the things that is said about him is that he was able to really bring them to a place of hope, no matter how much despair they were facing. Um, and so I think the quote is from Napoleon that a leader is a dealer in hope. Is that is that right? And I think this is one of those times that leader recruitment and leader training in this season, in every season, but but more so in this season, is going to be you leaning in to your ability to be a dealer in hope. That even in the uncertainty, I mean, our pastor, we talk about him a lot. Our pastor in Virginia would sometimes say, hey, if you don't like the way things are today, just wait a month, they'll be different. <laughs> um, and that that was true to some degree at Liberty, but Grant always had such a great way of saying, but this is why we're going this way, and this is why this is going to be great, and this is why I need you to be on board going this direction. And he was very much, is very much a dealer in hope. He's one that casts vision and says, here's where we're going, and he's excited about it, and you find yourself being excited about it. And this is something that you're going to have to do strategically for your people because it's going to be easy for you to say, this is really hard. There's half of us that should be in this room, you know, compared to last year. I know that home life is difficult. I know that it's easy to kind of fall into that. And it's okay to acknowledge it, but you're going to have to get to the place where you say, but we're going to move forward in these ways. And there's some exciting ministry ahead of us because of these things that we're that we're leading toward. Uh, here's the opportunities that we have now that we didn't have before. Here are the real places of need that our students have that I feel God calling us to address. And I think that kind of energy is going to be particularly necessary now as you're recruiting and training. Yeah, man. I love, I love the hope dealer as a piece of that, because that is when we boil it down, I mean, we've named several things that I think tactically student ministries can do to be consistent and provide a thread of consistency through this really inconsistent and unpredictable time. But the one thing that remains is that hope, that hope in Jesus, that hope that there is a plan that that he is the steward of and that we are not and the hope that he is still working in people's lives and all of those things are absolutely true and you said right off the top that you know this is an opportunity for the church to to point to hey there is one thing that is consistent above all else in this moment and that is hope in Jesus and to save to work to forgive to love to walk with us all of those things and so many more. So I love I love the hope dealer as a part of this recruiting and training process. I think one one other thing that I would mention on this in terms of hope, and this kind of goes to the next consistent thing that we need to do, but I, I would extend, John Paul, your your encouragement for hope there. And that's in engaging students and their and their parents, students and their families. And you know, we've We've said before, like engagement with people needs to be the primary metric that we follow right now and not who's attending what, uh, not the number of people that are attending what and not the number of people that are watching what, but how many intentional interactions we're having or maybe not us specifically, but how many intentional 
personal interactions our ministries are having with people. So you will be some of those as the student pastor. The trained leaders that you have will be some of those. Uh, and even students interacting in, in that specific way with each other will be some of those as you cast the vision for what it looks like to engage each other. But I think as we think about engaging them, it's more than a, hey, how's your day going? It's how can I engage specifically with this person to find out how they're doing and speak hope into their life? And I think that if student pastors are doing this well and have been doing this well, just to kind of play off something that you said, the how's your day going? That is the level of engagement that I think most student pastors have to live at for the majority of their students. How's your day going? What does that question say? Uh, Just at the surface level, I don't know anything about your day. And this is a very entry level question. This is just me mining for some easy conversation. Tell me a little bit about your day. Conversations at this point, as deep as we are in this season, uh, if we've been shepherding our people well, should sound more like, hey, I know this happened today. How did that go? There was before a huge need for, for pastors to dig more into this relational element and to really know their people. But now, It's more highlighted than ever. We need to know our people. We need to know what is going on. We need to know why it's good or why it's bad and be ready to dig in at at the real life level, not the ministry connection level, not the recruit you to a program level, but the real life, what's happening in your life level. That's That's where I think this season just has to look different than what ministry has looked like for the last several years. Yeah, man, it, it's so true. And the phrase that, uh, that keeps coming to my mind about that in a way to evaluate if your ministry has been engaging people in the way that John Paul just described is, do we have relationships with people through programs or do we have relationships with people? And as you evaluate that, you'll be able to see. And I would say, as if that's your evaluation moment and you're like, man, all of my relationships are through programs. They're recruiting people to do certain tasks. They're inviting people to be a part of certain things. And it's not relationships on a personal level with people. Then uh, don't let yourself sit in the grief of that moment and the man, I can't believe I've let it get to this point. Use it as a moment to say, okay, like I can today begin taking steps towards people and towards re-envisioning what this looks like. I wonder if there is a level of evaluation, like when I think about relationships with students in student ministry, there's there's kind of like a, and I don't have this mapped out and was never this thorough with it. Um, but if you were to say, you know, there's some, if, if we're on a scale from one to five and your tier one relationships, I mean, those are just, that's given a high five at the front door when kids walk in. You don't think about them, but you're just putting on the student pastor face. I'm excited to see you. That's a tier one relationship. I'm here and you're here, you know. 
and then there's a, like a tier five, let's say, put it wherever you want. But there's a tier five relationship that is, I know you deeply. I'm walking in intentional weekly discipleship with you. Um, you know, you're you're maybe the one that, or or the group of students that I lean into for leadership. You're the ones that I that I look to to lead elements of this ministry. You're the ones that I'm going to preach your wedding one day. I'm going to, you know. Typically, we say you've only got so much time and relational energy to be able to pour into a certain amount of like tier five relationships and thus the need to recruit leaders that can be in those tier five relationships, which is still important. My question would be this, should we instead of, because we have limited connectivity with our students, should there maybe be a little bit of rethinking to say, Well, most of my tier one relationships are kind of gone because a lot of our programming isn't happening. So is there a way for me to intentionally have like tier three relationships with a larger number of students? And so what does that look like? Well, I know that I've got this group of five kids that live in this part of town. And so I'm going to try to go every two weeks and meet with this group of five kids and just dig into them as far as I can. I'm going to know them. I'm going to love them. We're going to hang out however we can. And I'm going to try to do that understanding. It can't be tier five, but maybe you've never had five tier three kind of groups that you're meeting with. I don't know if maybe it's just a rethinking of the kinds of relationships that we have and how we navigate them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I I remember, as you talked about that, a statement that Jason Gaston made a few episodes ago about his five by five strategy that he had implemented with his with his student ministry staff. And I think that's a good tactical way to get at what you're talking about. You know, it's it's not the, oh man, I'm going to call my entire role of teenagers every single week where you all you're doing is replacing and having a lot of voicemails or two-minute phone calls. But instead, I'm going to focus on this group, this, these five families this week. And that allows you to have a lot more time and space to be able to do what you just described and say, okay, if I'm not giving high fives to everybody anymore as they walk in the door and saying, hey, buddy, and hey, big guy, then how can I replace that? And it's, I think his strategy is a good one in this. So the last thing that we have to talk about is curriculum planning. What does that look like? This is... Uh, a completely different season. Small groups in some cases uh, have been, have had to be totally reimagined, right? And so do I still plan around my curriculum? Do I still have a scope and sequence? You know, do, is there even enough consistency to say over the course of this next year, a lot of times we plan from fall to fall because we go with the school years. Is there even enough consistency for me to plan out a scope and sequence of what my kids are going to learn over the course of this year? Yeah, man, I I think we have to answer yes to that for sure. It might look a little different, right? Yeah. So if you're wondering what you should prioritize and thinking through these things of what have to be consistent, 
one of those things has to be a wise discipleship plan. You have to have a plan in place for how you're going to get your students from where they are spiritually now to where they need to be spiritually ultimately. Because if, if we let go of that plan and we just shoot from the hip week after week, month after month, we will have squandered a, potentially a, a year of time just waiting on things to get normal again. Yeah. And man, I think that's a huge point because uh, I have heard, man, I, I'm going to wait. And I had this thing planned and I'm going to wait to do it uh, when the room's full again or when we're back to X percent. And there's an element of that that like I, I do understand, like I get it. You planned this awesome thing and you want it, you want it to feel as awesome as you planned it in your mind. But I think you're so right in saying like, if we keep just pushing things out, then we're going to miss the opportunity that's in front of us right now. We have to stay the course and we have to stay on target with the discipleship pathway that we've, that we've laid out. We have to keep that consistent, not only for our, our, our students and, and the family, but f- for us too. You know, there's a part of this that uh, we've been talking a lot about the church being consistent for the sake of the teenagers and families and those kinds of things. But part of this is for the hope and the health of, the, of you, the student pastor too, and you staying consistent in things and staying on target with things. Uh, so that you don't get off track. And I think the, the curriculum planning, the discipleship pathway that you're building, the series work that you're doing for what would have been normally the Wednesday night worship service. And some of you are, are meeting now and you're having those things, but staying consistent on the plan that you built and just maybe rethinking the different avenues that teenagers receive that content and the different avenues that need to be in place for it to go out. I think is where is where the thought process needs to go. But by all means, continue the course that you're laying out. So just to recap for you, prioritizing what should stay consistent in this moment. Uh, evaluation of how things have gone so far, consistently evaluating so that you can address the needs of the people in your ministry. Small groups, leader recruiting and training, engaging personally with students and their families and your curriculum planning and discipleship pathway. And like we mentioned, these are things that the church can do to bring a thread of consistency. And as John Paul articulated earlier, hope to the people that you're pastoring. Yes, it will do that, but it can also continue to fuel your own hope as you consistently lead and pastor through this moment. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.